Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, past chair of the Board of Directors of the National Council on Aging. She's got a master's degree in social gerontology, some 25 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving, and was the Next Avenue Top 50 Influencer on Aging. And we're going to take up a topic today, Carol, that I know because of your incredible schedule, you can appreciate as well. Are there mental health benefits to doing nothing. And we're going to talk about that with our special guest who we're delighted to bring on from Palo Alto, California, uh, Dr. Francine Totter, who is a licensed psychologist. She has written a number of books and lectures and writes about all kinds of topics. Over 40 years devoted to her profession, she's taken up the cello, continues to write, and feels passionately about the vintage years, which begin around age 60. Her work on the Vintage Years book suggests that the fine arts may be the best way to stimulate the brain, and we'll talk more about that as well. And I read some things she had written about the whole question of the mental health benefits of doing nothing, which was a Next Avenue article. And Francine, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Well, talk to us about you hit how you hit on the topic of how mental health benefits can come out of doing nothing. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend and saying that at this stage in life, uh, I, I've tried something that I'd never been able to do before, which is take time to, as I said in the article, wander around like a four-year-old with no agenda. If you've ever watched young children, they wander from thing to thing. They don't stop and they don't spend a lot of time with things. Uh, they flit. And, um, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's peaceful. It's calming. Uh, but most adults don't know how to do that. And if you, uh, especially American adults who are extremely busy all of the time. So taking time to do nothing is a way of a time out from busyness. And for people who are caregivers, they're doing more than one job. So I think it's really critical to find a way. But it is uh, a scary prospect. I think that's interesting that you categorize it as scary, but in the United States, I mean, there's something about the American psyche that we have the least amount of vacation. We've got the longest work weeks. We see other countries pulling back. What is it about us that we're afraid to do nothing? Well, we're taught to be productive. And then there's, you know, the role of religion, which tells us that, um, Idle hands are, you know, not good, <laughs> said in different words, but uh, we're, we're taught to be busy all of the time, to be productive. We're a very productive country. And you're right. Uh, we take less time for ourselves, for recreation, for vacation than, than pretty much any other culture. And we kind of look down at those who know how to do nothing, who, who, who can wander and flit around like the four-year-old, as you're describing, they're not necessarily at the top of the list of the most admired people. Well, exactly. And that's why we choose not to be like them. And yet, you need to be able to recover. You can't keep going and going, and you can't keep multitasking. There are only 
so many things you can do before you shut down, before your brain, before your body uh, tells you to quit. And as you think about all this, uh, does that fit into you t- picking up the cello? Uh, no, picking up the cello was part of the busyness. <laughs> it was an extension. When I knew I was going to retire from my private practice after years of being an academic and then um, being a practitioner, I figured I'd, I'd better find something to do so I didn't go crazy. I was trying to avoid f- all of the time that would come with being free from a lot of responsibility. Grown children, no responsibilities. Uh, it just seemed like too much space, not enough structure. Now, not everybody is that way. Uh, some people are fine with no structure. So you need to know your personality before you go into it. But I was one of those people that needed structure. So I said, what can I do that would give me pleasure that I've never done because I've never had time to do? And that that's when I decided to uh, figure out whether I was too old for the cello. Well, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear that you took up the cello because I actually talked to a music teacher, not not recently, but in the last 10 years, we'll say, asking, you know, to take, actually take up the cello or take up the violin. And not knowing that I'm a gerontologist, they said, oh, no, it's too late. Yes, yes. You could never learn to play well. And I was thinking, you know, I, I play the I used to play the piano. I taught piano and I couldn't understand why they would tell me I would never play the violin or the cello. Well, I thought, well, that's just silly. Well, it's the music teacher's perspective. I mean, you, you don't want to be a professional when you take up an instrument later in life. You're doing it because you because you can, because it's co- it's good for your cognitive functioning. It's good emotionally, and it's a challenge. Uh, but you're never going to play well. This is true. And if you can tolerate that, which is not easy because you know what good music sounds like, then you can do it. So you, you have to actually temper your expectations a lot. Well, I think those, we should just go I'm, ahead, say, I'm sorry to interrupt. For those of you who just joined us, I want to let you know you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zoniel, talking with Francine Toder, who is a licensed psychologist, a writer, an author, a cellist from time to time, who uh, wrote an article in Next Avenue that I loved talking about the value of doing nothing. Carol. Well, I wanted to add to what Francine just said about um, tempering your expectations. I think for caregivers in particular, uh, they don't give themselves permission to do nothing. And a lot of times they don't have, uh, you know, the the time to do new things or try new things and relax. But tempering your expectations uh, and making either that downtime uh, be okay. Uh, you know, you, maybe you're not going to feel like you just slept eight hours, but you might have, have uh, be less snippy with the person that you're caring for, but that, you know, reducing your expectations because Dr. Jamie um, always talks about uh, our expectations are the seeds of resentment. And so just think that, you know, clearing a path to have less resentment, less anger and anxiety in your life, simply by slowing down and not doing as much, um, I think sounds fabulous. Yeah, and you can do it in in very short intervals. I think people are very anxious about taking 30 minutes or an hour or a whole day uh, to do something that feels uncomfortable. But you can always do it for one minute um, and try it out. And, uh, you know, one minute is not a whole huge expenditure of time for trying out something new. And you can always stop. 
So that's the thing. I, I try to build in um, ways for people to feel comfortable in the uncomfortable. Give us the definition of doing nothing. Is it literally doing nothing or could it be uh, some kind of activity, painting, music, well, that, reading? Yeah, that's interesting because I had a friend of mine who um, had been a caretaker for her husband for a number of years and then he died. And when she read the article recently, she said to me, can I read in that time? And I said, no, because that's not doing nothing. That's doing something. And, and that's doing something that's familiar to you that you've done all of your life. So no, that doesn't qualify. Uh, no activity qualifies. It means kind of, as, as I said in the article, a staring out the window, going for a walk with no object in mind. And if you do have an object, then you try to clear the object. It's sort of like a, a moving meditation without the expectation that your mind will be clear, which is one of the problems with meditation is people have trouble with clearing their mind entirely. But it means breathing, breathing out first. And I tell people always breathe out, not in, because some people have breathing problems and they get anxiety when they are short in the in-breath part. So always start with an out-breath and then see where that goes. Um, but doing nothing is, is the challenge. It really means doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can tell Ron, Ron, yeah, Ron is totally discombobulated by the whole <laughs> thought of doing nothing. But you reminded me of one spectacular day we'd gone to New York City to visit. And my husband and I just started walking. And we, we had no idea where we were going. And we ended up walking for hours and just looking around and seeing what was on the next block. And it was just it really was um, a wonderful experience and it was so interesting just to see what happens next right it's it, the buddhists call this the beginner's mind looking at things as if you've never seen them before and in a totally open and curious perspective so ron um do you think you would be able to do nothing I'm contemplating uh, where I'm working, and, and most of us work from home now. Uh, there's some windows that look into our backyard, and uh, I, I, I find myself from time to time watching a little squirrel who's busy as can be in our backyard, uh, and I do find that relaxing. And uh, does watching a squirrel qualify, or do I need to rub that squirrel out of my mind also? No, no, no. It's Again, that's the difference between this and meditation. Meditation means you need to tell yourself – Okay, stop looking at that squirrel and now go back to breathing and don't think anything. People have trouble with that. This is, a, this is easier because it is looking at the squirrel until you're not interested in the squirrel or until the squirrel, you know, flits away. And that's a good one. I like it. You and I occasionally do a stare out. There's a wall right next to our patio and he'll sit up there and we literally make deep and meaningful eye contact. <laughs> that works too. And the other is just simply noticing shadows as uh, trees move in the wind and the light shifts, just noticing, just being curious about that because you will see things uh, that you've never seen before when you're open to seeing, you know, what, what else is there that you hadn't noticed. Like cloud shapes. Yeah. I mean, actually, I, I'm not giving a plug to my latest book, but the Inward Traveler book is about that. It's about no matter where you go, it's how you see things and what your, what experiences you're open to that you hadn't noticed before. So that that's just a, another way of, of talking about the same thing. 
No, it's okay to talk about your books, Inward Traveler, 51 Ways to Explore the World Mindfully, now available in bookstores and online. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerdo. We're talking with our very special guest on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline from Palo Alto, California, Dr. Francine Toder. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're talking about a really fascinating topic, the mental health benefits of doing nothing. I'm Ron Aaron. Our special guest today on our Caregiver SOS On Air Hotline is Francine Toder. Dr. Toder is a licensed psychologist who is a writer and author and wrote an interesting piece in Next Avenue about the mental health benefits of doing nothing. Our co-host, Carol Zernial, is with us as well. And off the air, Carol, you said you're really good at doing nothing. I am really good at doing nothing. Yes, yes, it is one of my skills um, that I've noticed that other people think is very strange. Um, and and we were laughing because we loved Francine's question to me then is, am I okay with it? Which is, you know, am I, am I comfortable with it? Uh, so, you know, I always talk about my mother was very, very interesting. And she, when I was young, she would have us lay on the trampoline in the backyard and look at clouds. Um, and she wanted us to, with our minds, change the shape of the clouds, pick out a cloud and see if you concentrated on it. Could you change the shape? I don't know if she was just trying to keep us out of the house or what, but we would lay there and practice trying to, you know, make the cloud have be like a donut and break into two clouds and just sit and watch the clouds. And I can remember in my 20s, laying on my bed in the apartment and just staring at the ceiling and flitting from thought to thought and thinking, you know, this is, I didn't have anything I had to do. So I'm actually pretty comfortable and I can still do that. Now uh, in the springtime, I, I'll stand outside and see how many different flowering trees I can identify just for fun. And then you walk around and see, where are they? Where are the trees? So I like doing nothing. You really are a rarity. I don't think most people can do that. And when they do that, they often feel very guilty. Um, and, uh, and they're reminded by the people around them who are very busy that they're slackers. So that's, it's, a, it's a gift that you have. And it's so nice that you're comfortable with it. And, and yet we all push our kids. Uh, I have young kids and uh, Carol's kids now out of college. But uh, when they're in school, pushing them to do well, get their work done, do their homework, uh, I can't remember saying to them, just take a minute and look out the window. Maybe I ought to do more of that with them. Uh, they'll be very surprised, though, and they'll think that you've got some other scheme up your sleeve. <laughs> uh, yeah, an ulterior motive, right? Yeah, but the, but it's, you know, I think for the for caregivers, doing nothing is such a luxury and there and there's so much guilt and anxiety and, and things to schedule 
that it almost seems like a mountain you just can't get over to even think about doing nothing. I mean, just the thought of doing nothing would be incredibly, uh, you know, just unacceptable. Absolutely. And that's why I, I kind of wrote that article, because I recognize that for lots of people, most people, especially the busiest of people who are the caregivers, who are caring for uh, someone in addition to perhaps having a full-time job and a family, and maybe they're in the sandwich generation between children and older parents, and uh, they they are busier than anyone and um, more conflicted about taking time for themselves. Have there been any studies on uh, the long-term mental health benefits of doing nothing? You talk about I, how I it's good for our mental else- health. I don't know that anyone else has written about it. In fact, I wrote about it originally as a tongue in cheek idea thinking um, (laughs) nobody's going to want what I'm writing because it's so counterintuitive. It's so, it's so odd. It's so un-American really. And, uh, and, and it certainly didn't work in, I mean, I grew up as a working class kid and the goal was to get out of the working class into the middle class. And so you work twice as hard as everybody uh, working, going to school, you never had a minute. So uh, it, it really is an anathema to to do what I'm talking about for lots of us. We think of so many people who have two jobs, three jobs, who never have the time, driven by a need to have income, uh, to do nothing. Now, I, I want to go back to something you said. One way you can start doing nothing is to start with one minute, which is like nothing. Right. Well, it seems like nothing, but I can tell you when you're a busy person and you you set your watch for one minute, you're pretty anxious um, that a minute is going to feel like a long time. So I I try not to do it for longer than that to start because people are easily discouraged and think, well, or or what can I possibly accomplish in one minute? And yet, if you take a a deep, um, a long out breath followed by a slow in breath. Uh, that could take pretty much close to a minute. And if you're just staring out the window or looking at a squirrel go by or watching cloud formations, um, you may decide you want to spend another minute. And that's good. That's that's the idea is to do it because you want to, not because you feel compelled to. And then see what you've learned and see how you feel. We do a program called Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, also a psychotherapist. Uh, and he talks about breath work as being so important uh, to one's well-being? Well, it's actually a critical tool in treating anxiety. Uh, for people who have anxiety disorders, one of the best ways to manage the, uh, the, the, the internal sensation of you know, rapid heartbeat and cold hands and sweatiness is to slow down your breathing. And again, you start with the out-breath because everyone can do an, a long out-breath, even though some people have problems breathing in and they feel like you're they're you know if they're anxious their breath is going to be shorter on the in breath but everyone can do an out breath so if you treat anxiety as as I did for years uh the 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 most important tool is breath work and did you as you treated anxiety uh think about uh the advantage of doing nothing not then I was very busy then (laughs) (laughs) Well, in your book, in The Inward Traveler and uh, 51 Ways to Explore the World Mindfully, is there is the doing nothing in that book or is this even newer than that idea? 
Well, it, it is finding ways to do things you usually don't do. So it wasn't quite nothing. It was um, being able to see the world with a beginner's mind, as I mentioned, this Buddhist concept of seeing everything as if you never saw it before. Um, if you take a photo of something, of understanding that the photo captures an image, but you might see more than that image, or the photo might show you more than you even saw. So it's just a matter of, of different perspectives. Um, and it's a matter of going places, not to, you know, check mark that you've been there, but to see something that you would never have expected to see, looking for something unique. Like what? Like, like what? Yes. Um, okay, well... For example, um, I tell people that they could take a walk from their house in a new direction that they'd never gone. Most of us are creatures of habit. So if we take a walk, we take the same walk. Uh, If we go in our backyard, we do the same things. I say, do something entirely different. Go in your backyard, but don't touch the pruner. Don't don't dare um, look at your plants. Get down really low to the ground and see the earth the way dogs and cats do. They're much closer. What do they see that we don't see? So it's a matter of just taking an entirely different perspective just to shake things up so you aren't, you know, sort of like um, a slug, you know, going through life, doing the same things over and over. Um, Just to create newness, to create excitement, to create freshness. In the same environment, by the way. And this was true for people who couldn't travel because inward travel implies you're going somewhere. Yeah, you can go around the world or you can go around the block or you can go around your room. But there are things you can discover um, that if you break your old mindset will be very rewarding and satisfying. And And that really works during COVID when we would take walks, you know, long walks, my husband and I, and we couldn't get out of the neighborhood in the amount of time that we had for these breaks. And so at some point we were bored <laughs> with the walk. And so we reversed it and it was like, wow, I never noticed that house because when you come at it from another direction, the hedge isn't blocking it. Look That's at the right. house. And if you, you turn really left instead of right. Things, yeah, it's exactly. In fact, a good example of this kind of thing on a much smaller scale that anyone can try is if you're right-handed and you always eat with your right hand, Try eating with your left hand. It's a totally different experience. You notice different things. You, you're, the taste is different. The experience is different. It all becomes extremely conscious. So what we're trying to do is to be here now in the, in the moment rather than to unconsciously go through the same um, uh, movements over and over without paying attention to them. To be less yeah. like a robot and to be more in the present, to experience the moment, even if it's only one moment. And Carol, isn't that part of the classes that you and others have been in? Be here now, be in the present. Yeah, the the be here now, that just is doing nothing is hard to do. Be here now can require you to turn off your computer, turn off your phone, look at the person you're talking with, and you will feel like an alien. When you have totally eliminated all the distractions, you will think, wow, this is really, really different. Well, you know, there's a lot of, there. well, there's been research that, that shows that people 
when they're put into a solitary confinement situation, just as an experiment, put them in a room with nothing to do, they can't tolerate the fact that there's no external stimulation. They absolutely cannot tolerate. They'd rather be shocked with an electric um, prod and have some kind of sensation, some kind of experience that sit there and then sit there and be with themselves internally. And it's, it's remarkable. We're just so used to being bombarded with stimulation that when we don't have that, we don't know what to do. But there's always your five senses. And as long as you can hear, you can smell, you can see, you can touch. Uh, which, which one did I leave out? Here. <laughs> Here. Um, then you, you are, you've got everything you need at that moment. Oh, I think well, it's a we, fascinating experiment. We recently really appreciate you coming on. Unfortunately, we are flat out of time. Uh, the mental health benefits of doing nothing, you can read about it in Next Avenue, and you can Google it, and it will come up. Francine Toder, uh, Dr. Toder, a licensed psychologist, and her latest book, Inward Traveler, 51 Ways to Explore the World Mindfully. Francine, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Really appreciate it. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.